Hey, architecture firm owners and emerging leaders, get ready for unparalleled insight into the development of a world-class architecture firm and a worldwide organization driving the digital transformation of the design and construction industry with Build Smart, the podcast that's changing how our profession operates. We share the incredible stories behind innovation in the building industry with my friend and co-host, Patrick McLaney, FAIA, former CEO of the international architecture firm, HOK. You know, Yamasaki's office or firm lasted during his lifetime. And when he passed away, I think that was the end of the Yamasaki office. Helmut did not want that. He wanted a firm that would live out and grow beyond the founders. In season one, discover the untold stories behind HOK's meteoric rise, from 150 employees in St. Louis to a powerhouse with over 1,900 staff members and 27 offices worldwide. You know, they weren't as polite as the Kojima people. That was just boom. And anytime you have a creditor, whether it's Kojima or the bank, that wants their money, unless you can raise money someplace else, you are out of business. Bankrupt. Bankrupt. And hold on tight for season two, where Patrick takes us on a new adventure as chairman of Building Smart International, shaping the future of digital transformation in the design, construction, and operation of built assets. Ian Howell, Ken Harold, and I, Ken was my technical representative from HOK. The three of us took a tour of Europe of five cities in five days. Very busy time. Simply follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Smart Now and uncover lessons that will transform you and your architecture firm. My name is Mark Arlapage, and you are listening to Entree Architect Podcast, where each week I speak with inspiring, passionate people who share their knowledge and expertise, all to help you build a better business as a small firm entrepreneur architect. This is episode 353, Your Wealth as an Architect, and How to Preserve It with Financial Consultants, Gina Conti and Dominic Conti. This episode of Entree Architect Podcast is supported by our platform sponsors, RCAT, the online resource delivering quality building material information, CAD details, BIM, specifications, and so much more, and Monograph, the time tracking and project management tool built for architects by architects. Gina Conti and Dominic Conti, welcome to Entree Architect Podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Excited to be here. It's great to have you both here. This is going to be an interesting conversation. I think this is a topic that so many of our uh, community members here don't often focus on these kind of things. And it's nice to have people like you come on and remind us that these are things that we must be focused on uh, in order to prepare for our future and prepare for uh, the the next steps in our lives. And so I'd like to have that conversation. But before we do that, let me introduce you uh, and then learn a little bit more about you. Uh, Gina Conti is a financial consultant and in business with her husband for over 25 years. She raised four children, including Dominic, and, and believes in faith, family, finance, and fitness as the cornerstones of her life. As a UCLA graduate and native Californian, she worked for corporate America for years prior to becoming an entrepreneur. And she is considered one of the top producers 
with a global Fortune 500 company and asked to speak across the country in, uh, in front of thousands. She's helped hundreds of individuals and families get in better sh financial shape, including multi-million dollar businesses. Her passion to help people attain financial freedom and preserve their wealth is one of the many reasons she is considered an expert in her field. And Dominic is 24. He attended Pepperdine University where he graduated a year early from their business program. He received multiple job offers from some of the finan uh, financial industry's biggest firms. However, after evaluating his options, he believed his talents could best be used alongside his parents at World Financial Group. Uh, building a business at a young age, he forged ahead to become one of the company's rising stars. And after a year and a half in business, Dominic decided to enlist in the Air National Guard. Thank you very much, Dominic. Appreciate that service. Um, fulfilling his desire to be in the military ever since he was a child. Dominic received multiple leadership awards throughout his military training across the United States. And upon returning home in April, Dominic has picked up where he left off in his business, building a team and a clientele that spans across the country. So thank you both for joining me here at Entree Architect Podcast. Uh, this is going to be a really interesting conversation. Before we jump into the topic, I'd love to dive into your origin stories. Um, Gina, let's start with you. Um, what Can you take us back to where you sort of discovered your passion for what you do today and give us uh, a little story about your journey from that moment to where you find yourself these days? Absolutely. So Mark, I was raised in a family of entrepreneurs. I was raised in a family of life insurance agents, contractors, architects, caterers, uh, demolitioners. And I always saw as a young girl from a distance that there was something to this versus corporate America. I realized after graduating from UCLA in 1988, my, my dad said, Gina, you really should always be an entrepreneur. Come on, join my business. I didn't believe him because what are you told to do? Join corporate America. Yeah. And I did for a very small period of time. Even went and worked in Connecticut for a very large life insurance company. I did not like it because the training was, they threw you in training room and then they threw you out in the wolves and you did all cold calls. Well, the blessing that came out of that is I met my husband, Larry, and we quickly got married, moved here to California. And that entrepreneurial spirit kicked right back into us because I happened to marry an entrepreneur. Uh -huh. <laughs> he had to work for anybody for years. He's, he's been in his own business for years. And so that's what kicked in. I, at the time, I was close to 30. I took my wounds and my lashes to corporate America and realized there's no financial freedom and financial independence in this. And there's no growth in this. And it could be slipped out from under your feet in a, in a second just by somebody else's whim, right? So Larry and I built this business together. We, we were in health insurance and then went into financial consulting and we built it as a team. We raised our four kids together. We, we just decided to grow and that was our passion. Our passion was to help families and businesses get in better financial shape in so many ways with wealth preservation, with taxes, with protection, any way you looked at it. And I just felt that if you really want to change a community, if you really want to change an industry, if you really want to get out there and change the world, it's being an entrepreneur and teaching financial education and awareness on so many levels. So that's where my passion came in. And our four kids have been raised in that. And obviously you see Dominic's here doing business. We're so happy about that. 
And so that's where it came in and we're just growing and we're happy. And with us being on the heels of 4th of July in such a time of volatility and uncertainty in this world, in our nation, I can't stress enough how passionate Larry and I and my husband and our family feel about teaching entrepreneurs like your architects. I have many clients that are architects on how to be financially independent and secure and have that peace of mind in a world of, of such uncertainty. Yeah. It's such an important topic. Uh, it, you know, I think that many architects go to architecture school, they come out, many of them want to start their own practices. They don't realize that they're business people. They don't realize they're entrepreneurs. Uh, which is why I started Entree Architect. I started it off as a as a personal blog called Entrepreneur Architect, sort of just documenting information for myself. And it really quickly found an audience because architects suddenly discovered that they needed more information um, and that they were entrepreneurs, right? And so um, the idea of, of uh, small firm architects who start their own firms being entrepreneurs is a mindset shift in our in our profession. It's not something that we've been taught. It's not something that traditionally we've recognized ourselves as. And I think that's very quickly changing, especially with the younger generation. I think naturally the younger generation uh, are, are naturally entrepreneurs. And so uh, it's, it's sort of a, an interesting mindset. And we're definitely not talk, thinking about wealth management, uh, wealth preservation, uh, because we don't even know that we can acquire wealth, right? <laughs> and we're just trying to do our job so we can get the next job. Right. And so I, I'm, I'm looking forward to having this conversation. Uh, Dominic, can you um, share your story? Where, where did you all start in this story? Yeah, definitely. I'll kind of, you know, piggyback off my mom. Um, you know, growing up, my, you know, my parents just instilled in us that entrepreneurial spirit. Um, my dad was able to, you know, coach us in sports. My mom was there to, you know, drop us off and pick us up from school. If we won't, went home early for being sick, mom was there. So there was this flexibility in this lifestyle that I saw growing up that really allowed me to be close to my family, allowed my parents to raise me. And then also too, you know, when I saw a lot of people losing their job, you know, a lot of my friends, parents losing their jobs, my parents never had those conversations with us. You know, if things were maybe rocky, they just worked harder and made more money. And so, you know, because I saw that and I really liked that. I, I mean, I'm, I'm fortunate and blessed that the life that my parents have given myself and my three sisters has been fantastic. Um, it only made sense to kind of follow in those footsteps. So, you know, I still wanted to pursue a college degree. I went to Pepperdine, uh, fortunate enough to finish there a little bit early. Uh, and then coming out, I really just, you know, evaluated my options. So, you know, construction management was one, financial services, uh, sports marketing and a few other industries. But after evaluating what each one of them would offer me lifestyle wise, income wise, uh, and then also just the impact that I have in the community, I really believe that was in financial services. So I actually sat down with some big firms, um, Morgan Stanley, Merrill Lynch, Edward Jones, you know, some of the big names out there. Um, and it was a great opportunity that the individuals that I'd be working alongside were awesome like integrity and all the things that you were looking, you'd want in a mentor. However, after I talked to my parents, they said, Dominic, you know, you could do a lot of great stuff there, but you know, why don't you, you know, join us? Why don't, why don't we all work together? You'll have a lot more, you know, flexibility. You, you know, able to own your clientele, able to, you know, really do something at a young age without, you know, having to be an employee of one of the other firms. 
So again, evaluating it all and really projecting out what I wanted for myself and the impact I want in the community. I joined with my parents and uh, I mean, at 21 years old, Mark, I was, you know, meeting with people. I was, you know, just putting myself out there, not afraid to fail. Right. And, you know, you mentioned something earlier about, you know, a lot of young people are entrepreneurials or entrepreneurs, you know, they'll have it on their Instagram bio, they'll have it on their Twitter bio, right, but yeah. really ask them what it means to be an entrepreneur. And they say, well, you know, I like doing this. And that's great. You know, I don't want to undermine it, but you know, being an entrepreneur is really just taking an initiative about something that you're really passionate about, where you're, you are at the for the tip of the spear where you're making it happen. No one's really telling you what to do. Obviously monetizing it, you can, you know, turn it into a business, but a lot of people might do an entrepreneur type side hustle for fun. Um, you also mentioned too, that a lot of the architects, you know, the business side, they're not too, they don't like to pay attention to it because it's not as fun. You know, we see that with doctors a lot of the time as yep, well. Very similar. Um, maybe even some attorney's offices, depending how big or small they might be. So their architects aren't alone. A lot of people enjoy their craft and the business side. They just look at it and it just, uh, maybe creates a little bit of anxiety. It just doesn't look enjoyable. It could be a waste of time in their eyes. Uh, but that's why, you know, working with a firm like us, not saying for you guys to come call us, but just working with a professional where this is all we do can take off a lot of that load on their shoulders so that they can focus and join what they're doing. And in turn have people that are in the weeds of this all explaining it to the architects if they're interested in it. A lot of them are like, Hey, just take care of it. I trust right. you guys, but you know, um, working with a professional obviously, you know, takes that burden off them. So just to finish up my story, uh, join the military, something I've always wanted to do, uh, was in about six or seven, six different States. Yeah. Yeah. Six States, um, travel, uh, traveled and trained with the army and the air force came back and that's when quarantine hit. And we've kind of just transitioned our business into zoom and really leveraging ourselves across the United States. And that's what we're currently focused on right now. Yeah. So you mentioned that you started when you were 21. Yes, were you, did you, did you feel any or experience any pushback being that young working with professionals? Oh, a hundred percent. How did you, how did you deal with that? Cause you know, we get a lot of young architects that have that same issue. You sort of start your own yeah. firm. You're, you know, you yes. come out of architecture school, 24 years old. And you don't, and I remember me, I launched my firm when I was 29 and I had this complex for a long time um, that I felt that I was like, wasn't being, I wasn't being taken seriously. Completely. And um, I really, Mark, I really think it comes down to a lot of it's in your head. Um, you ha it's a, it's a strength and a weakness to be young. You uh, can bring yeah. a kind of energy and a freshness to the table that maybe someone that's been in the industry for a while, maybe a little more jaded um, might not, not be able to bring. Uh, but what I did is I compensated for my age with my knowledge. Mm -hmm. So of course, knowing the material inside and out, being able to answer the questions, being confident enough to look at a client and say, Hey, uh, you know, I I know I might not have as much experience as this person or your current advisor or whatever, but I guarantee you that, you know, you won't find another advisor that will care as much that will go find information for you that will, you know, be there through the thick and thin and that can deliver on every promises that he makes. And also if I don't know a question to an answer, I guarantee you that I can go find that question and get back to you being confident enough to say that 
You know, it's actually a, the person actually respects you a lot more, whoever the client may be. And B, uh, there's a trust built in that. If you're able to get that out front and then you can also have fun with it. Like I'd, I'd walk in and I grew a little more facial hair. I changed my glasses <laughs> and then, uh, they'd say, how old are you? And so saying like, uh, 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 21, I would ask them back, well, how old do you think I am? <laughs> Yeah. You're like, uh, you're mid twenties. And I'll be like, eh, you're close. And then I would just kind of continue on the conversation. So you can have fun with it, but ultimately I think it really just came down to a mindset and not letting it deter you that you're young. But again, bringing that energy to the table is actually uh, an advantage that a lot of young people can use. Yeah. That's very good advice. How, being, being prepared and confidence is so much, you know, knowing, knowing what you're there for, right. Having the knowledge, so you can demonstrate that you have that knowledge. Uh, but then the confidence is so valuable that, that even if that first impression is, oh, what is this young guy just walked in here? How, what is he going to teach me? But then you aren't intimidated by that at all, right? You, you come in with confidence and, and with the knowledge. It sounds like you had some really good uh, mentors growing up. Yeah, they're all right. <laughs> I'll take that. Yeah. Thank you, Mark. I was watching your mom while you were talking, and uh, you can see the, the pride in her, in her eyes. <laughs> Um, you know, a lot of, we were talking a little bit about corporate America and entrepreneurs and, and, you know, there was generations and generations of, uh, business people or of people, right. Who, who go out and get a job with those, with big companies thinking that that was the, the, the secure way, right. That was the way that, you know, that you get that job and you're upset. Right. And the last 10, 20 years that has completely shifted, right. It's completely flip-flopped where, the much more secure route is to be an entrepreneur, to build your own business, to have your own freedom, your own, your own flexibility, your own rules. Um, and so, and that's what our community has become, right? That we've become entrepreneurs and we're not working for large firms. We're building our own businesses. And so, um, and that's a big mindset. You know, my, my father-in-law thought we were crazy when my wife and I launched our architecture firm, right? That's the risky way, right? Starting your own business is risky. Uh, but he is very quickly seen as as the layoffs start happening, uh, how valuable it is to be able to have your own your own control. Um, and one of those things is to understand how uh, how to build it and how to build a business. But then also once you build that business, to be able to uh, preserve some of that wealth and to manage the the wealth that you've created, uh, be able to manage your taxes and and reduce the number of you know the amount of taxes that you're paying. We will return to our conversation after this quick break to say thank you to our platform sponsors here at Entree Architect, Arcat, and Monograph. Arcat.com has been assisting architecture professionals in their search for the best products for their projects for nearly 30 years. Starting as a printed desktop reference with listings and manufacturer's catalogs, Arcat has evolved into the number one most used website for finding building product information. Today, RCAT is an invaluable tool for AEC professionals, offering a powerful product search engine that's backed up by up-to-date CAD, BIM, and specifications. And just as it was in 1991, today, RCAT offers all of this at no cost to their users and without requiring any registration. It's free. Visit entrearchitect.com slash RCAT today and see why architecture professionals have leveraged the power of RCAT for three decades. entrearchitect.com slash RCAT. 
That's entrearchitect.com slash A-R-C-A-T. Spreadsheets. Spreadsheets. Are you tired of using spreadsheets to keep track of your project plans, your budgets, your staff, your time? Our friends at Monograph know what that's like because they're architects too. They know all about that spreadsheet mess that you're dealing with. So they did something about it. Monograph is a time tracking and project management tool built for architects by architects to respond to the challenges that small and medium-sized firms face on their quest to a profitable business. With Monograph's integrated suite of tools, you'll stay on track and on budget without the overhead of wrangling spreadsheets every day. Improve your firm's operations today. Try Monograph. Try it for free at entrearchitect.com slash monograph. Ditch the spreadsheets. Visit entrearchitect.com slash monograph and try monograph right now for free. Please visit our platform sponsors today and thank them for supporting you, the Entree Architect community. I, I want to get into that topic. That's why we're here. That's the, 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 the uh, uh, expertise you have. Let's start from the beginning. Can you just give us an idea of of what wealth preservation is and um, what you do for clients or to give us a, a sort of a baseline of what, what you do? Yeah, I'll start off and then Dominic can piggyback. Wealth preservation has so many different meanings to it. There's so many different layers and levels to it. It's all about peace of mind. So no matter what economy has been given to you, because you have no control over that, right? You wanna make sure that any money you've saved is preserved. You want to make sure that no matter what happens in your business, whether it's, an, it's on the upslope or the down, you're still going to function as a business. And then on the personal side as a family, because I think they go hand in hand, right? Yeah, very much. When you're so. doing well in your business. Your family usually tends to stay intact. We've watched so many families disassemble and completely fall apart because their business side, you know, that's why I have so much respect for you and your wife, because I know what that's like to build a business with from ground zero up yeah. with me and my husband doing that. But it, like Dominic said, we didn't, we haven't had to worry about all this because of the money that we we put in place, because of, of of financial products that we have in place, because of our insurance we have in place, all of that. None of our clients lost any money during this whole thing, and they're in all different types of business. So there's many products that we market. We 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 have many companies on our platform that we market products for. And they vary. So wealth preservation has to do with peace of mind and, and how we structure depending on each business's needs. So we do what's called a financial needs analysis. There's six parts to it. It's complementary. And we gather the information. It usually takes about an hour and a half, maybe sometimes a couple hours, depending on how, how complicated the business side and the personal side is. It. And then we, we go back to our office and then we roll up our sleeves and really see how can we help this company have peace of mind that no matter what happens, whether they have a business partner or not, whether someone gets injured or not, or someone passes away, or we're in a volatile market, how can we keep this business thriving and intact so they can lay their head down at night and never have to worry about anything, but that their business can continue to be fluid. So when you mentioned those products, are you talking about investments and insurance and 
or sort of the whole package, right? It's the whole package, investment, insurance, all of it. And I'll kind of, I'll kind of piggyback off that too. Yeah. Um, obviously the solutions we have for clients, it's all customized. So, you know, it can't be just a cookie cutter type yep. thing. You're really finding out the goal. The goals is the biggest thing that we talk about with clients. So what age would you like to retire? Okay. Maybe you don't want to retire completely, but how much money do you want coming in? We look at tax brackets, all these different things and really mark our, the formula. And we talk about this very openly with the client that we believe is the formula to building wealth is a getting you a higher rate of return than what you're currently getting. But with a higher rate of return comes minimizing your risk. You know, you've heard the same high risk, high reward, but uh, why not get you a high reward, a high rate of return while also minimizing your risk. And then lastly too is taxes. You know, uh, I'm actually reading a book right now, uh, recommended to maybe any of your listeners. It's actually called The Power of Zero. And it really talks about uh, the inevitable of taxes increasing in the future, just because of the debt that the United States is in and all these different programs we have. It needs to be paid for one way or another. And, um, you know, balancing that high rate of return, minimizing risk and minimizing taxes really is a secret to to accumulating wealth and then preserving wealth. And so another thing that we do too with that preservation is and a big entity is wills and trusts. So we, we have a lot of attorneys that we work with that will refer to ensure that God forbid something happens to, uh, you know, a member of the family or a member in the business, whoever it may be, that all of the wealth is preserved and then can be seamlessly transferred to the next generation or whoever that entity may be. A lot of people forget about this will and trust because they're so focused on the here and now. And I hate to bring this up, but I think everyone's been on Facebook before and seen an unexpected loss of a family member or a friend and then GoFundMe pages start and there's kind of just this chaotic environment that takes place amongst the, mor the morning of the loss. And so really our job, going back to peace of mind that my mom brought up and preservation, again, customizing it to the client, but looking at that whole package from investing, insurance, and all the way to wills and trusts with our attorneys. Can you explain, because I think everybody knows what a will is, but can you explain what a trust is and, and how that protects you? Sure. So obviously I'm not a lawyer, so this isn't. Yeah, this isn't yeah. just so I, you know, sort of people know what it, what it means. Sure. So it's pretty much another uh, entity. You can have a revocable or an irrevocable trust, uh, both of which have different stipulations, depending on how much it can be changed or whatever it may be. But in essence, it's literally the way I like to describe it is you're putting a, a document inside of a file cabinet. That file cabinet is kind of like that trust, that security that centers the that surrounds the will. Um, and, you know, you can get very creative with it as well putting different assets inside of it. I think with an irrevocable will um, or the irrevocable trust, you can't pull things out. So again, we more so look at it from the financial aspect of let's ensure that all of your assets and everything you've built stays in your family. And that's when the attorney then partners with us and says, what does the fine tune details look like for the, for the client when it comes to the will and the trust? And the trust also, I like the name trust because if something, if all of our assets, our business, our personal stuff is put in this trust, I'm going to trust that it's going to be dispersed the right. way my intentions were. And I'm going to keep the state out of it. 
I'm going to keep the government out of it. I'm going to keep family members out of it because it is the will of what I want to happen for my business and my family. Yeah. And that's, that's when, when you hear, when you hear things that go wrong, it's usually because they did not have a trust that, you know, that they may have had a will, uh, and they had some assets, maybe they owned a home or some property or an apartment or something and, uh, and they pass away and now that goes out to probate and there's this whole argument over who owns it and does the government own a piece of it? Do you own a piece of it? And there's, and it just becomes this big conflict, uh, in the family with the government, right? It becomes this big problem when there's a trust in place, it's documented. This is what it is, who owns it, who gets what. Um, I sort of look at trusts and I, I too, am not an attorney and I know a lot less than you do about them, but I sort of always look at trusts sort of like uh, a personal corporation. Like you develop a corporation for your business to protect your assets and protect your liability. You can do that same thing with a trust and with your personal assets and your personal liability, uh, with that, that well, not necessarily the liability, but your personal assets, um, to be able to make sure that they end up where you want them to be. I don't know if that's true or not. Mark, no, it is. And, and especially, Mark, for your entrepreneurs and your architects, whether it's just them, sole proprietor, or there's 10, 10 people, or maybe there's three key men, or maybe there's whatever, just two partners, right? It has to be laid out because if one of those partners or one of those key men or something happens, a, a business can completely fall apart. And I've seen it personally with friends and family. And to your point, everything stops. It goes to probate, families are fighting, dear friends that were business partners are fighting, spouses are fighting, and it's so difficult. So it's very important. And cost-wise, it varies. You know, people say just, oh, Gina, that's gonna cost so much. No, we've got attorneys of all different levels, depending on how your business, how much your business is worth or how much, you know, you've got going, how many assets you have. It can be as little as $500 and as much as 7,000. So it just depends just to give you a gauge. Yeah. And that was actually going to be one of my questions is who, who would, who should be paying attention to what we're talking about? In your audience? Yeah. Yeah. Everybody, every single, every, whether it's your 29 year old little entrepreneur that's starting his own business. And if he passes away, his family's looking at this beautiful business he created and to the brick and mortar, to do everything he bought and insured, to any money he's put into it, to any shares he has in the company, to, again, I, to your 10 or 15 people within a company. It's, it's everybody. Yeah, yeah. Um, so if there was one thing that you both could recommend to uh, the audience that could help a small firm architect build a better business for tomorrow. If they did something today for tomorrow, what would that one thing be? What is, what's the one thing that they should be focused on right now to move them forward for tomorrow? I'll go ahead and I'll, I'll talk on that one first. Uh, I think the first thing is, you know, um, I obviously I can't speak on the architect side. I'm not an architect myself, but on the financial side, really have a game plan, really set out your goals. Um, you know, I, I, I love reading books by, you know, really successful people or just, um, you know, not, I don't want to say self-help because that'll categorize it in a certain area, but more so just positive thinking and like goal setting and hitting your goals and all of those great things. And every single successful person that I've read has said, 
you have a 30% chance of achieving your goal, a better, a more than 30% chance of hitting your goal if you actually write it down. And then also, unless your goals are clear and concise, you're gonna, it's almost like you're uh, doing archery and you're constantly wavering uh, around the, uh, the bullseye, right? But until you can really hone in on your goals, what that looks like financially for yourself and your family, you don't know exactly where that bullseye is. So that would be the first thing for me. And honestly, too, Mark, in my business, I'm in the business of finance, but I also, you know, uh, I need to look out for my own finances. Until I got clear and concise goals, I found myself wavering all over the place. I actually owe it to my dad, too, for really instilling this in me. He goes, Dominic, look where you want to be, whether it be five years, 10 years, 20 years out, and then back engineer it from there yep. rather than just taking one step in front of you. So that's something that I have found to be successful for myself at a young age. I've heard from a lot of my mentors and reading a lot of these great books. The message seems to be uh, almost the same when it comes to goal setting and all of those things. Yeah, very, very good advice. Gina, do you have any, anything to add to that? Yes, network. The law of large numbers works. You gotta get out there and talk to people. My client, now we've become dear friends, who is an architect and, and listens to your show. I know he'll be on your podcast soon. Yes. He talks to a lot of people. He connects yes, he people. <laughs> and yes, he does. And you know what else? I believe pivot. Be able to pivot on what's going on. Because if you just stay in your one box, he has pivoted, pivoted, pivoted. He's just one of many examples of clients, but I'm talking about architects. Being able to, to ebb and flow with what's going on in the nation and in the, in the community, but law, law of large numbers works, Mark. I mean, that's how we've grown our business. We have a, a big team. We've done a lot in this community. I don't expect anything back. It's my heart. It's my passion. And that's what was going to be my next, my next point is be passionate about what you do and let people feel it. It's a momentum that, a momentum that wants to be caught. People like to be around charismatic people. And if you don't know how to create that momentum and be charismatic, read a book. You know, read those books about how to win friends and influence people. These are books that help you. So it's self-help and self-awareness of where maybe a weakness is, is I, I would highly recommend uh, your men and women to, to do that and to self-improve. Because if they're stuck, nothing changes if nothing changes. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Their names are Gina Conti and Dominic Conti. You can learn more about them at 1322.com. Spell it all out. 1322.com. We'll have a link to that in the show notes. Before we go, um, Gina and Dominic, um, if someone is listening to us here today and they want to take the next step, obviously they can reach out to you at 1322.com. But if they wanted to like research somebody locally, what advice would you give them in terms of finding the right person to match up with them? Great question, Mark. Uh, the first thing is meet with them in person or over Zoom. Um, you can go on the internet, you can read all kinds of things about someone, but until you actually have that personal experience, you know, I don't think you're able to necessarily gauge if someone is going to be a, the best fit for you with doing business. So talk to them, find out what they're about, ask them some questions, express your concerns, and, you know, maybe, uh, you know, speak to four or five different people um, and really see who aligns with your thought process, uh, what services uh, do they offer that really is more up your alley that you feel comfortable with. 
Um, and ultimately, uh, you know, you want a business to be run off word of mouth referrals. That's another thing. So maybe ask some of your closest friends that who are some advisors or people that they've worked with that they would refer to you. So, um, you know, I would, the biggest thing is trust, you know, people want to work with people that they trust and yep. whether it's a stranger that you want to get to know or a referral, I think that's an internal gauge that everyone needs to go through in order to make that decision. Yeah. Yeah. Very wise. Gina, do you want to add to that or is that, uh, yeah, wrap it up? I totally agree. The, the only thing I would caution, it is all about relationships, right? Sometimes you even pay a little bit more because you like the person. We all do that, right? I would caution high fees and high charges. There is no need to pay. We don't charge fees. We get, we get paid by the companies that we represent. When somebody moves forward with a plan, the companies on our platform pay us. So we don't charge a fee. I've just seen way too many people pay a lot of money and I just, it's unnecessary to pay a lot of money for that. You can get complimentary free advice and consultation. And in the end, it's what's best for the business. And, and that's the most important part. Yeah, very good. Gina Conti and Dominic Conti, 1322.com. Thank you for joining us today and for sharing your knowledge here at Entree Architect Podcast. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us, Mark. Have a great one. You have been listening to episode 353 of the Entree Architect podcast. If you would like to access the show notes or share this link with a friend, entrearchitect.com slash episode 353. Please share that link with just one friend. That's how we're growing here at Entree Architect podcast. Thank you very much. Entrearchitect.com slash episode 353. Entree Architect is a proud member of the most engaged, the largest AEC multimedia network on the planet, Gable Media. We are curating thought leadership for an audience dedicated to building a better world. We're working to bring all the best AEC content to one place so you can find it. Podcasts and video channels. Listen and subscribe to all the shows at GableMedia.com. That's G-A-B-L media.com. And check out Entree Architect Academy membership. Ready to edit business resources? You, you need them. They're like checklists and forms and business documents, templates, those kind of things. It's all in there. Live monthly training. Yep, you need it. We have it. And a supportive architect community ready for you. It's all waiting for you at Entree Architect Academy membership. Entree Architect expert training sessions, our live monthly webinar training inside the membership. It happens on the first Wednesday of every month. We gather on Zoom for 60 minutes. We learn from an expert and have all our questions answered at the live Q&A session. Our next session, the first session of 2021, Shannon Lee. Shannon is the director of coaching at Win Without Pitching, and she will be back to follow up on her last session on sales a few months back. This time, she'll be training on the qualifying conversation. If you've read the book, Win Without Pitching by author Blair Enns, and if you haven't, you should, you know that the qualifying conversation is a critical step in the sales process. Get it right, and you'll be working with your best clients and getting paid what you're worth. Get it wrong or miss it altogether, and you'll continue to struggle with the wrong clients for your firm. Sales is tough for most of us architects, and Shannon will show us how to do it right in a way that it feels natural and good for everyone involved in the transaction. So in addition to the business resources, the community and the training session archive, all those recorded sessions, join us live each month for the expert training sessions. 
business training for small firm architects, and something new coming in 2021, Simple Systems. This is completely new. This is something we're developing right now and will launch in 2021. Quick and simple business systems for small firm architects. You've been asking for them. We're building them. For years, you've been telling us that that's the one thing you need, right? Business systems. That's the one thing holding you back that you don't have your business systems. Well, simple systems are coming. Don't you worry. And members will get every system we build for free. So join us right now at entrearchitect.com slash join to join the Entree Architect Academy membership and get every simple system for free and all of what I just talked about at entrearchitect.com slash join. I hope to see you there. Be well, my friends. Be happy, healthy, safe, and secure. Thank you for listening today here at Entree Architect Podcast. Spread the word. Let somebody know what we're doing here. Love, learn, and share what you know. Have a great week. I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything? I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like, how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that (laughs) then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's it's so real to this day. I, I, I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like us, can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? <laughs> we did it, guys. Oh my the one that God. came out of nowhere. Woo! It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success. Calling all small firm architects. It's time to tap into your full potential with Entree Architects Context and Clarity, where inspiration meets innovation. Hey, it's Mark Arlapage, founder of Entree Architect, and I'm inviting you to join my two favorite co-hosts, Jeff Eccles and Katie Kangas, as they bring together authors, experts, and thought leaders for electric conversations with entrepreneur architects around the globe. It's not just a podcast, it's a community where dreams meet action. 
there is a simple equation there. And what for me, what that did, just doing that basic calculation was, it allowed me to compare what I had actually saved in my retirement accounts to what I thought a possible projected annual spend might be. Artists are temperamental, so beautiful design is going to be a priority. When the job is done, we're going to actually need to live in the house, not live with the person who designed it. <laughs> and so for me, the, the artistic skill, the architectural skill is most important. And so I would say like that would be 60% of it, if not more. Gain insights to build a successful practice. Subscribe, engage, and let's redefine your future together. Join the Context and Clarity community, where every conversation adds to your blueprint for success.